watch the breakdown. And here we go. Davis goes left. Davis gets a block. Chris Davis. Touchdown. Auburn. An answered prayer. Cut. Michigan. Touchdown. I can't believe this. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown. Alabama wins. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Campus to Campus podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. You can find me on Twitter, at khookem. This is brought to you by TheBreakdownSports.com. Give us a follow on Twitter. And before we get started with our week six recap, I'm going to uh, to bring in my two co-hosts real quick. Jesse, what's going on, man? It is a fabulous day. Big Ten football is only a week away, and every day I just get more and more excited. You can't wait to watch Ohio State beat Michigan by 37, huh? Uh, that's in December, so I got time. <laughs> you got time. JD, what's going on, dude? Uh, you know, Miami got their ass whooped again. All's right in the world. I get to make fun of those guys for being some cocky assholes for the first couple of weeks. So uh, I'm feeling good going into this week. I tried to I tried to jump on the bandwagon and, and, and support them, and they just kicked me right in the dick, man. They just, oh, they'll they just always bite you. A, a, big, a big ball punch and just sent me on my way, so. All right, so we got we got to, we're gonna we're gonna come at you pretty quick tonight. We're probably not gonna take too awful long with with everybody. Uh, if if it does happen to get a little loud, just full disclosure, I'm in a uh, an open room at a at a warehouse in in Vegas, one of, that my company owns. So if we uh, if if you hear some racket in the background, just disregard it. So without any further ado, we're gonna jump into the week six recap. Uh, if I had a drop that sounded like a skipping record, I would absolutely play it here. So we're going to spend about 10 seconds here. We're going to move on. But Texas, just go back to the show last week and just hit, just hit, just listen to it, and it'll it'll tell you exactly what happened with the Texas game again. Trash defense, really good offense. Uh, Sam Ellinger puts the team on their shoulders, takes them to four overtime loss to uh, to Oklahoma, and just made me want to just hate football. But I can't because I love it. Any any of you guys got anything to add about uh about the the Red River shootout? Um, is well, first of all, very surprising to see Spencer Rattler get benched going into halftime and then turning into the Oklahoma quarterback that we all see the pat from the past four years yeah, in the second a, half. That was a hell of a power move by by Riley. Sit your oh, ass yeah. down. Sit your ass down and, and get right before you go back out there. And also, is this or was was this the greatest Red River? game that we've seen it was definitely it was definitely one of the one of the, it's got to be one of the tops i mean the one with baker mayfield in it a couple of years ago when texas ends up coming back and, and taking the lead and then mayfield drives him down and uh hits mark andrews for what, what seemed like a billion yard touchdown pass uh that was another good one but this one four overtimes highest scoring red river game in history uh you know texas down by 14 with five or six minutes to go in the game ends up coming back like I said, forces it to four overtimes. The missed field goal with the announcer just having, you know, you know, word just diarrhea out of the mouth. He couldn't make any sense. He was just yelling words to yell words. So yeah, it was it was a great it was a great game. And even as a Texas fan and having to take that loss, it was uh it was still a fun game to watch. My biggest takeaway is 
the under was hitting all game until overtime, and that made me very sad. Yeah. <laughs> you seemed spot on the whole time. It was, you know, 37-17 for the, or 31-17 for the longest, seemed like. And then it's just, it exploded in the fourth quarter. And, and of course, going into four overtimes definitely makes the, uh, the over hit just about every time. Jay, do you got anything to add to the game? No, I mean, it was a shit show, and it was a great yeah. game, and it was perfect college football. Uh, you have your pro pro prospects and Rattler. You had Ellinger going full hero mode. You had Gus Johnson exploding in the booth, like you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was, what, almost five hours long? So I think I went from having coffee to having champagne to having whiskey over the course of that <laughs> yeah. entire game. So yeah, that, no kidding, no kidding. That was the work. All right, so uh, so so guys, I'm gonna ask you a question here. I want you to tell me what these numbers, what do they have in common? Okay, so we got 63 to 48, 41 to 21, 41 to 38, 30 to 28, 41 to 7, 24 to 2, 45 to 41. What do those numbers have in common? And I know everybody already knows this, but if you were a novice college football fan, what would you think those numbers meant? Well, if you're a novice, you're assuming that's final scores. Okay, I got you. Where I'm going at with that is the fact that that is a typical Saturday for the Big 12, right? That sounds like SEC football in 2020. Oh, it sounds like 2020 (laughs) SEC football, huh? Okay, so that's really where where I was going with that is the fact that, you know, the SEC has had this stigma held over them for so many years of being such a defensive powerhouse and that kind of stuff, and it seems like every single week – these teams are in absolute shootouts. Now, of course, I'll hop on Twitter and I'll uh, I'll poke around a little bit and I'll do a little trolling, knowing that I have no friggin' room to talk because I'm a Texas fan. But it's easy to get Georgia fans it's riled up. It's easy to get Tennessee fans riled up. So I'll go in there and poke a little bit and start talking about. And I even did this last year. You know, when did the when did the SEC turn into the Big Twelve when they start playing defense? And you know, you just have people lose their minds after that, right? But so, what, what's your thoughts on the SEC and, and the, just the, the way they're playing defense right now? Do you think it's uh, the fact that they didn't get as much time in during practice? Do you think that it's just the evolution of the conference and the way offenses are starting to run now? Because you got guys like Mac, Mac Jones that are lighting it up for 400 yards every, every single week. And this guy was maybe not even going to be the starter coming into the season. So, what's your guys' thought there? We'll start with J.D. on this one. Yeah, I've uh, definitely been poking fun of the SEC defenses this year, so I guess I'll own this one. Um, yeah, I just think it's really funny. I think there's been so many years they've been pointing out, uh, you know, oh, your offense looks good, but once you play these SEC defenses, what's going to happen? You know, the spread's not going to work against these SEC defenses. Well, we finally see the SEC adapt, and they're finally starting to use their athletes as they should have been this whole time, and they're putting up absolute points, and the defenses don't know what to do about it. So. I do think eventually they will adjust, but I just think it's pretty clear right now. A lot of these, you know, a lot of it's, you know, they didn't have tackling time uh, in, in camp, uh, and that's a lot of it. But I, I think what it is is, I mean, we all know the SEC has the best athletes, and if you're using those athletes on offense in a well-designed offense, it's really, really, really tough to, to stop. And I think these defenses are so used to just being the most athletic team on the field, to having these five stars in Quite frankly, their game plan doesn't need to be 100% on point. That's not saying all the defensive coordinators are idiots in the SEC. That's just saying there's a lot of them who have relied upon their athletes simply being better than you 
for years and years and years on end. And now having the better athletes is not the case because in the SEC, we see plenty of teams that have the athletes and are going to put up points on you. So I'm interested to see and how this one is playing out going forward. I will think this is definitely going to be a higher scoring uh, conference going forward. We'll see how it plays out in the next couple of years. Those are all valid points there. Jesse, what's your thoughts on it, man? I mean, I agree pretty much the whole way. I, as well as you two, love trolling the SEC. Because, as we all know, it just means more to them. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's weird, though, because usually in, like, a regular offseason all that, it's the offense that always struggles entering the year than the defense. Because it's, defense is the same every year. You you go to hit the, per, the person in front of you, that's it. But I guess the lack of tackle, tackling in practice and the shortened offseason in general – did take a toll on that. Yeah, but, I mean, it just, it just seems like huge chunk plays over and over and over, and that's from every team across the board, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Alabama, Missouri, LSU, Mississippi State, all of them, you know? But in, I think you they just saw how the Big 12 can just score nonstop by simply just not running the ball 40 times a game. I mean, the SEC was built on – running the ball, and then stuffing you on defense. That's all yeah. the SEC was. And sure. now you get a couple wide receivers, maybe one or two quarterbacks, and you're throwing for 600 yards on the defending champions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, boy, that's been a shit show since that game. And so, so, uh, so yeah, that brings me kind of up to, to one of our next points when it with the SEC, and I didn't have it in the show doc here, but Mississippi State has looked bad – the uh, the past couple uh, the past couple games they had the great opening win against LSU and then Costello has just shit the bed the past couple weeks this game he goes thirty six for fifty five only two hundred and thirty two yards fifty five pass attempts for two hundred and thirty two yards and four interceptions uh, one of the crazier stats from this game is is Kylan Hill the running back and JD me and you had talked several times before the season started about how he was going to fit into the air raid system and he's fitting in great. He had 15 catches for 79 yards. I want to say the last time, and I don't remember where I saw this on Twitter, but I I, 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 meant, I meant to write it down. Uh, it was 2002, the last time a player had 15 or more catches with 80 or fewer receiving yards. So that's it's been a long time since that's happened. 15 catches That's a Jarvis for Landry yards. kind of line. That is. That's exactly a Jarvis Landry kind of line. <laughs> So, so Mississippi State, week one to come out, they shocked the world. They absolutely shred LSU. It's starting to look more like LSU was just that bad on defense after losing so much to the NFL as it was compared to the air raid coming to the SEC to stay. It, it, so far to me, that's what it seemed like because they've had two really bad losses since then. So, so Jesse, where are you at with Mississippi State now? You, are, you, are you still going to give them a little bit of time, which, which of course you need to because it's only been three weeks, but – is is this a Mississippi State compete this year kind of team, or is is this a Mississippi State compete three years from now kind of team? I mean, it's Mike Leach. This is how he's always been. The first couple, first game, he'll always light it up. Then he'll take the offense will take like a three or four week collapse, and then before you know it, you'll have them throwing for five hundred yards again and putting up sixty points like it's nothing. So it's really, I mean. Mississippi State's never going to compete in the SEC, no matter who they bring in to coach. But it's j- just hope you get your six wins, and even if you don't, 
every team is going to be bowl eligible this year, so hopefully you get one of the games. <laughs> <laughs> J.D., what's your thoughts on Mississippi State going forward the rest of the season? Yeah, no, I'd agree. I just think they're going to be in a dogfight every single game. Um, the it, the cards are clear, clearly stacked against them. Um, they clearly have to play a perfect game. They have their only win so far this year. They set an SEC record for passing yards. Um, they're clearly going unconventional. I just think they're going to fight for being 500. Um, and I think it'll probably take a while um, if that's ever going to change. I'm not confident it really is ever going to change. I see them kind of being like a 500 team in the SEC, which I think for Mississippi State is probably a victory, but I don't really know if their fans are going to be seeing it that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. All right, so to, to keep on rolling down the line, Miami gets absolutely smoked by Clemson, 42-17. to 17. Travis Etienne has a great day, uh, well over 200 total yards of offense, 17 carries for a buck 49-2, and two, and eight catches for 73 yards. Uh, he is getting to be more and more my favorite running back in this class. I know everybody loves Najee Harris and, uh, and, and, and Chuba Hubbard, uh, but his, his skill set is going to transition great to the NFL and, and being that one of those maybe not ever down workhorse backs, but being one of those backs that are in that 50-50 timeshare for the rushing work, and then he's the third down back. You know, he's, uh, he's, just, he's just looked fantastic his entire career. Couldn't believe he come back this year. Uh, but I'm sure glad he did. He looked he looked great. So Miami comes out there and uh, proves to be a fraud, and we get all hyped up about Miami and you know Derek King, and then Clemson just beats their beats the shit out of them. So where are we at on on, on Miami going forward the rest of the season, Jesse? I mean, I still think they're they're going to be competing for a chance to play Clemson in the ACC title game. It's really between them and North Carolina in my eyes right now. Maybe Notre Dame, but you'll never see me root for them, so they can <laughs> rot in hell. You'll never compliment Notre Dame, never. No. Rudy was all sides. I know that anniversary was yesterday, but he was all sides. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it's just uh, nobody in that conference is going to be able to compete with Clemson. I'm surprised. I, I would have thought it was going to be more like a 40s to 20 game, not 42-17. I mean, I'm uh, picking straws there, but it's. I mean, it, what else can you do? It's Clemson, and the sad part about it is they brought in their backup quarterback almost every other play at, when Clemson was in. So, which is very. I don't like how they have all these great players. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to hell with them for recruiting so great. Yeah. And, and, and how can you have another see. great quarterback after Trevor Lawrence? That shouldn't be fair. <laughs> all right, JD. Where are you at with Miami? Um, yeah, I think we can all laugh at Miami a little bit this week. Um, I So coming <laughs> to keep the Notre Dame angle going. So I pull for Notre Dame. Um, and I, I've seen this plenty of times. We get hyped up. We might pull Miami. We might go undefeated to start the year. And then we get our first big test. And the line is closer than it should be. And most people kind of know the line is closer than it should be. Most people expect you to get your butts whooped. And not just do you get your butts whooped, you get – your asses absolutely handed to you and that's what happened to Miami in this game they got more than doubled up in yards they only had nine first downs all game whereas Clemson had 34 um it was just a joke the only reason it wasn't even larger is because like you said they put their backups in and Miami had a uh, blocked field goal return for a touchdown this was completely embarrassing it pretty clearly shows um, that nobody's on Clemson's level in the ACC. 
Um, and if anybody is within two touchdowns, it's certainly not Miami. Yeah, I was really hoping to see uh, Miami put up a, a decent fight so it wouldn't be just an absolute Clemson runaway this season. But, well, we were, uh, we were let down. It looks like it's going to be another one of those, you know, everybody in the ACC is just playing for second place because, you know, Clemson will absolutely just throttle everybody they play. So, all right. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, a couple of final points here is uh, Arkansas seems to be back and uh, bouncing back a little bit quicker than expected. They've had uh, a win against Mississippi State and a very, very lucky – or Auburn had a very lucky win against them this past week. In my opinion, should have lost the game. And I didn't crack out the rule book to check that out. But if you fumble a snap, that puts that ball as a live ball. Can you pick it up and spike it after that? Is that illegal play? Yeah, it was in, it's intentional grounding. Oh, yeah, so you that's can. what the penalized. big fuss was about it. Okay, okay. Which, and, I don't know how that's a penalty, but it is. Well, it should have been a fumble because he threw it backwards, too, which made it even worse. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I just know that that was a, a real controversial play there for Auburn, Auburn to even have a chance to kick that field goal. But Auburn, or Arkansas has played surprisingly well so far this season. Uh, don't need to spend too much time on Arkansas because we don't, we don't think they're going to compete for a, a, the SEC by any stretch. But just a couple quick you know things on Arkansas and what's your thoughts of them so far this season. We'll start with Jesse. Um, Felipe Franks is doing pretty good since being kicked out of Florida. Good for you. Um, enjoy your last year playing football. <laughs> You're not going to make it in the NFL. Just congrats, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> congrats, All right, JD. What you got, man? Yeah, I want to keep an eye on Arkansas. I think they've played a little bit over their heads these first couple of weeks, and they'll probably drop down to earth, you know, going forward. But um, I did want to touch on because, you know, I'm an Oregon fan. I pull for Oregon. And when I saw people clowning the uh, Sam Pittman hire, Arkansas's head coach, uh, it really reminded me of when Mario Cristobal was hired for Oregon. They are saying, oh, this yeah. guy doesn't have a ton of coaching experience. How's he going to be the head coach? He's just an offensive line guru. Well, that's what Sam Pittman is. He's one of the most respected offensive line gurus uh, you know, in all of college football, and everybody acknowledges that. So why you're shitting on him, uh, why are you shitting on him? Just because he hasn't coached before? And then what did he go out and do and hire? You know, he had Kendall Bryles as OC, which is kind of hit or miss. And then as defensive coordinator, he got Barry Odom, who has clearly proven that he might be, you know, a top-notch defensive coordinator. If he's not, he's, you know, top 10, top 15. This guy should probably be a head coach, and he's a defensive coordinator. So I think their coaching staff is excellent. I don't think the talent is there, but in the next couple of years, if they keep – keep that coaching staff intact and get some talent. I think they're, uh, they might be making some noise finally in the ACC. Or, sorry, SEC. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Because, you know, I, I remember back in the days with McFadden and Felix Jones there, they were a fun offense to watch. They were a fun team to watch. They beat they, – they pulled a couple good upsets off. But it'd be nice to see Arkansas actually matter a little bit. You know what I mean? And finally, to finish up our Week 6 recap, we got our uh, – Mine and JD's Hungry Dog, you know, shout out to our boy Rex Eastwood over at the Breakdown Sports. Our Hungry Dog, Kansas State, gets the outright win versus TCU 21-14 as a, what was it, 320, a plus 320 on the money line? 325, something like that. 325, somewhere in that ballpark. So, it was, it was, that, was a nice, that was a nice call there by, by us. It was, a, uh, it, was a, it was a low scoring game, and it just had, TCU just had everything to me, just it was a letdown game. They just got through beating Texas again, come out playing a Kansas State team that they should be able to beat. They were 13.5-point favorites and lose outright. So, if that ain't 20-20 for you, I don't know what is. So, 
All right, so before we move on into our Week 7 preview, we're going to talk about our Week 6 Heismans. Uh, mine, again, for the second time this season is Mac Jones. Uh, so far this year, he's 66 for 83, just shy of 80% completion percentage, uh, 79.5 completion percentage, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns to one interception, uh, threw for 400 yards again and two touchdowns versus Ole Miss, and he's just been on fire. He's been absolutely crushing it. The talent that's surrounding him is next level. Uh, a couple different NFL caliber top wide receivers. You've got arguably the best running back in college football. You know they got the offensive line year in and year out. And <clears throat> this this was one of the seasons where I thought Mac Jones was going to be more like the uh, you know the AJ McCarrens, the the Greg McElroy's, the the game manager. Just don't throw interceptions. Don't you don't fuck it up. We'll win the game, and you'll and you'll go down as one as as a national championship t- caliber quarterback. But that's not the case at all. He, they're 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 sticking to the the two offensive firepower, and they are slinging this thing all over the field. They are they are pushing the ball down the field, and it is really really fun to watch. So, so Mac Jones, he he, he this probably won't be the last time he ends up on on my on my weekly Heisman uh, winner because he's been he's been fantastic. So Jesse, who you got, man? Um. Well, I'm going with that same game, but the rear, the real hero for that game, it's Najee Harris. 23 rushes for 206 yards and a Bama record five touchdowns. That's fair. If you hadn't called Najee Harris the night it was going on, he would have probably been my guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that I'll still have a ever-long hate for him for flipping from Michigan at, on the last day. No, don't, don't, don't hate him because you guys have just ruined him. Now he would have been at four play. four yards per carry kind of back on Michigan. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, if you know. four, it'd been probably more like you know three point two, and then he would have probably been you know maybe a fifth or sixth round draft pick coming out of Michigan. But now he's going to be he, maybe a he would have been hard about fullback. Yeah, he would. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He would have been a blocker if he had played for <laughs> Michigan. So don't hate on the kid because you're just you're just spitting on him just because he's being successful. So. He could have been successful <laughs> up at North too. That's the whole thing. But no, one hundred percent would not have been successful at Michigan. But I'll let you. I'll let you continue your Heisman talk. But no, really, I mean, I know you love Etienne so much, but Najee has really. He's the, at least in my eyes, he's set himself as the number one back sure. in this class right now. And I couldn't. I couldn't argue with anybody that says that. I, I'm. I'm more of an Etienne guy. But if somebody wants to say it's Harris, if somebody wants to say it's Hubbard, then yeah, they got perfectly good cases for it. Man, uh, and and Harris has been fantastic so far this season. And it, this just goes back to what we were talking about earlier about SECs and offense and everything. I mean, when's the last time Alabama's had a below av- or an average running back? Because it seems like every year it's a new one coming on the scene and just dominating for ten games when they're getting drafted. I don't know, man. This is. It seems this may be a little hot takey, and I might catch some heat for this, but I th- their last average running back actually. Uh, won a Heisman in Mark Ingram. Oh, you know, I think he was that. better than Trent Richardson, though. I think, nah, I think Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson might be the one. Trent Richardson just really sucked it up in the pros. He was really great in, in college, but uh, they, Mark Ingram was the worst Heisman Trophy winner of all time. I can't argue with that one too much. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get off on a rant there. That was the year Cole McCoy should have won that thing. I got me mad. So, oh. Uh, <laughs> getting my feelings over here back and living in my golden years whenever we were decent. <laughs> All right, J.D., week six highs, my man. Yeah, I gave it to ETN. I'm another ET, ETN fan. Um, I just want to say, 
um, being able to watch Najee Harris and ETN at the same time, I had their games up on the screen at the same time. And there was like a moment where Najee Harris caught a, a pass in the flat and he jumped over some cornerback. And I'm like, this guy's how big jumping over cornerbacks. That's unfair. And then right after I saw that play, I look at the other screen and ETN's just busting like a 60 yard run. And I'm thinking, holy crap, these are two of the best running backs I've ever watched, man. Um, these guys are impressive. Um, but I got a soft spot for ETN. I love watching him run. One of the fav- one of my most favorite guys of all time to watch run with the ball in his hands. Um, he's so smooth, man. So smooth. He's he's so smooth, and he knows he's smooth, man. He's trying to make the defender look like an idiot. Like, he's really yeah. trying to make you look bad, <laughs> uh, which usually you don't see that too often in football. You don't see it a lot in basketball. The guy gets the guy ISO'd. He's like, I'm going to make this guy look dumb. That's what e- ETN tries to do every play. Um so I'm giving it to him. It's kind of a lifetime achievement award. He uh, set a new record for most games with a touchdown. For 39, he passed old Tim Tebow. So uh, I'll, I'll give it to ETN as a lifetime achievement award here. All right. So we're going to roll up into our week seven preview. <clears throat> Just so we don't spend too much time and keep you folks tied up for too long, we're going to run through the top 25 teams. Uh, right now we actually have uh, Louis, uh, University of the Raging Cajuns, Louisiana. I, I keep trying to say their name wrong. Uh, they're playing right now. They're ranked 21. They're playing Coastal Carolina. Uh, right now that game is 20-13, to 13, Coastal Carolina in the, uh, in the third quarter. Uh, but going, going, going forward. Who, uh, what's uh, Coastal Carolina's mascot there, Kevin? Man, they are the, the, the Chanteliers. Chanteliers. <laughs> Chanteliers. Right? Yeah, that's Chandelier. right. Chandeliers. Right. Yeah, you almost messed me up. You put me on the spot, and I got, to, I got nervous and, and choked a little bit. <laughs> All right, so uh, so going through the game, we got a game uh, on Friday. We got SMU versus Tulane. SMU is favored by six and a half, the over under sixty four. Uh, <clears throat> I know I'm going to be getting home pretty early Friday from Vegas when when I'm out here, and I know that'll be on the TV for sure. Uh, next up, we got uh, another Friday night game at eight thirty: BYU versus Houston. Uh, what's your thoughts on those two games there before we get into the Saturday games, fellas? We'll start with Jesse. Um. First off, for the SMU and Tulane game, uh, really like SMU, even though Reggie Robeson is out for the year. They Did they even say what the injury officially was, or they just said he's out for the year? I still haven't seen it. But then again, I saw where him and JT uh, – uh, JT – I was about to say JT Barrett, Jesse. Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, whenever him and TJ McDaniel are, were out for the season, but I, that's all I saw was they were both, they were both done for the season. But yeah, it's, I mean that'll be a pretty big blow for that offense. But I still think they're the best uh, group of five team out there in my eyes right now. And I just, I just think they keep rolling, Pony Express all over again. I'm, 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 I'm all for it. What, what about you, JD? I just want to say uh, these are some really good weekday games, and it makes me really excited. You know, college football time back. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a group of five guy, and I mean, that Coastal versus Louisiana Lafayette, that's dead even. I was watching the first half. That's a dead even. Good matchup. Georgia State, Arkansas State, those both look like, you know, two very good Sunbelt teams. SMU Tulane, you know, those are both teams I like to bet on. And then BYU-Houston, right, we got the number one versus the number one two offense. That's just statistically so far. So, I don't know. There's some good <laughs> matchups. I got, got me excited over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, man. I, I enjoy watching the uh, – the especially if it's a, a weekday night, something like that, where I'm going to be up, I'm going to be watching. <clears throat> My team's not playing. I want to watch the game. It's it's fun to watch. BYU's been great on offense. SMU's been great on offense. So, you you, you know you at the very least you'll see some fireworks there. So, uh, roll into Saturday. 
the morning slate games. We got Clemson versus Georgia Tech. Clemson's favored by 27. Uh, Cincinnati's favored by three versus Tulsa on the road. Or excuse me, Cincinnati's on the road as a three-point favorite versus Tulsa. Uh, Miami's a 13-point favorite at home versus Pittsburgh. Auburn is a three-point road favorite versus South Carolina. Then we got uh, Kentucky, excuse me, Tennessee's a six-point favorite at home versus Kentucky. And then the, the 130, which is the, the 230 Eastern game, it's Notre Dame versus Louisville. Louisville is a 17-point underdog in that game. Louisville's definitely let me down in a couple spots this year. So of those morning slate games through that 230 Eastern game, what are you guys looking at there? Um, My biggest thing is can Auburn bounce back from – potentially losing to Arkansas and actually play a win handily versus South Carolina because I feel like it's going to be a whole it's going to be like that again this week for them. South Carolina's going to hang on way too long for them to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh JD, what about you, man? Yeah, I think the two games I'll be watching. First, I'll be watching Auburn just because uh I mean, I don't think South Carolina's a very good team this year, but honestly, nothing I've seen from Auburn you know, says that they're a good team this year. So yeah, nothing, oh. nothing screams blowout right there for sure. It doesn't, and you would think if Auburn's going to get back on track, they should win by at least ten points. So I'm going to be watching that because if they don't get back on track here, I mean, it could be really ugly, and Bo Nix could, could not be progressing. If he doesn't make big progressions this game, then there's some serious questions about him going forward. All right, so to finish up the top 25, and we didn't hit on this. Uh, I just happened to see it go through. The Florida-LSU game has been postponed to a later date. Uh, that is not in set in stone yet. There's a couple of dates floating around. Um, Oklahoma State and Baylor is off. Baylor has suspended all football activities, as far as I know. Has, that any, has anybody heard anything about that changing? No, they just no. they have like 40 some confirmed cases, so they suspended it for good for right now. Yeah, yeah. So as far as I know, Baylor's done for the season. So there's so everybody that's playing Baylor is they're they're out there. It's it's a postponed game. Uh, maybe something changes and they come back and they're able to squeeze some games in toward the end of the season. I don't. I just don't see that coming. If if a team is just throw their hand through their hands up and says I'm out, then they're they're probably done for the year. Uh, but the 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 evening games and then the night games. We got Texas A&M versus Mississippi State. Texas A&M is a six and a half point road favorite. Uh, North Carolina is a 13-point favorite versus Florida State, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm hammering that. I'm gonna be all over that game. Uh, if that 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 spread's gonna move up, it's got to move up by the time the game rolls around. Next up, we got Georgia versus Alabama in in, in the game of the week. Go check out the bracket for the the greatest Georgia players versus the greatest Alabama players over at the at at, at Bracketeers the. <clears throat> the they they partner with us on some weekly content. Next up, we got Boston College versus Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's a 12-point favorite. That's that's the, the night game. So, of those group of games, what are we looking at outside of Georgia and Alabama? We'll get to them in a second. So, of the other five games, what are you what are you looking at? Well, for uh, UNC Florida State, since you're talking about how the lines going to be changing, so that opened up as UNC by nine and a half, and it's up to 13 and a half. So it's already gone up four points for them. Yeah, I was about to say, it's it's it, and it, I think it's going to keep going up. Uh, I just think North, North Carolina is going to beat the brakes off of Florida State. Oh, definitely. And then other than that, honestly, aside from Georgia, Alabama, because that's definitely going to be the game of the week, the two games in the, like around this time slot I'm going to be looking at is uh, – 
Ole Miss and Arkansas, just because I want to see if Ole Miss can keep up that pace that almost beat Alabama and the lane trains could be keep running through. And then Boston College and Virginia Tech. Because yep. Boston College has surprised everybody this year. They've been pretty fun to watch. You know, they, they're, they're, they're pushing the ball down the field. Zay, Flower, uh, Zay Flowers is making some big plays. It's been, it's been fun to watch so far. Not only that, they're covering the spreads too. Yeah. So it's even more fun to watch. Most Especially important. Especially whenever you're going with them. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the most important part. Good right. teams <laughs> win, great teams cover. That's right. J.D., what do you got from this, this, this group of games? Uh, I just want to mention, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of games that are, you know, okay here, but not fantastic matchups. Uh, I want to give some love to UCF versus Memphis. Uh, UCF sitting at a minus three and a half point very, favorite right now. Very good point. Um, that's a very good point. I, I've left them out because we were just doing the top 25. That's my bad. You know what? The thing is, most people are forgetting about this game. Why are they forgetting about it? Because these seem like two of the best group of five teams they were supposed to be going into the year. Sure. You know, Memphis had their shot at the best group of five team last year, and UCF, I thought they were the best team going into the year. Well, they've both blown it so far. Memphis lost to SMU, and uh, UCF lost to Tulsa. So everybody's down on these these two squads, and for good reason. They both blew games, but that means they're going to be hungry, man. These two teams do not want to have two losses on their record. So I think they're going to be going at it. could be a really high, high-scoring, high-paced affair. Uh, so I just want to give some love because that, that's, that's a pretty good matchup right there. That's fair. Fair point. Fair point. All right, so getting to the game of the week, Georgia and Alabama. Bama's favored by four at home. Uh, what's, your, what's your guys' thoughts on this game, man? I could, I could see it going any way. I, I want to just, just pile on the Alabama for, you know, Kirby Smart choking. But it's, I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck, man. I kind of don't know which way to go. So Jesse, wh- where where are you at with the Bama Georgia game? So up until a couple hours ago, when the Nick Saban news of testing positive for COVID came out, I thought it was going to be Alabama just rolling over them. They they look like the best team in the country by far. Mac they Jones really is really probably my Heisman pick right now if I had to make one. But it's and now since Sarkeesian is going to be calling the game for is he's their interim head coach for this week, which means you're going to have liquor bottles all over the sideline. Um, it's it's going to be a close <laughs> yeah, game. Sorry, I was muted and I was laughing my ass off about that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's going to be a close game, but Alabama's still going to cover because. They just have better players all over. Even though Stetson Bennett, the fourth, is the greatest quarterback name of all time. I will say that. That's fair. I, I don't have any problem with that. J.D., what's your thoughts on the game here? I think this is a great game, man. Um, the Saban news, I don't know if that makes it more interesting or less interesting. I think it gives Georgia more of a shot, so maybe more interesting. Um, but these are two t- teams i'm super high on which you know is an easy thing to say because obviously they're number two and number three but like these are two bet on teams for me so i originally was going to take georgia plus six and a half um just because i think their defense is phenomenal i think they've only given up three touchdowns in three games um i think they held tennessee before garbage time tennessee only had one yard per play 1.1 in tennessee's not great but everyone was saying they had one of the best offensive lines in the country and if they can only average one yard per play um, you know, I, I think that's going to put up a little bit more of a fight than Ole Miss. I think uh, Alabama usually, you know, 
usually they they're able to avoid Georgia. And they don't play them in the regular season. They're not able to avoid them here. They're not able to push it off until they're finally tuned up, until they figured out their defensive coordinator issues, until they figured out how to not give up 48 points to Lane Kiffin when they clearly want to beat Lane Kiffin into the ground. They can't do it because they're not in midseason form because almost no no team is at this point except Clemson. So, I don't know. I think it's actually a good spot for Georgia. If it was later on in the year, you know, I would say Bama would probably roll over them. But I think they're going to they're gonna frustrate Bama's offense a little bit here. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if I can fully support a team with Stetson Bennett at quarterback because this kid, you know, I, I know he's gotten the job done so far, but he doesn't really look like he should uh, be playing quarterback for Georgia against Alabama. So, I think, George, I think Bama probably gets it done, but I think it's going to be a really close one here. All right. If anybody doesn't, if, does anybody have anything else to add for the week slate, week seven slate of games? Um, Big Ten next week. Can't wait. Boom. That's all that matters. Boom. Michigan, Minnesota, prime time. Well, you got to start zero one. That's going to be a real pain in the ass. I understand oh. what you, how you feel though. I understand. All nah, right, so that boat's sinking, bud. All right. All right. So, uh, well, hey, let's let's make a little little on air bet here. We'll make a little 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 Twitter bet. What what do you, what do you got? How confident are you? I am very confident that Joe Milton will throw for 700 yards and 12 touchdowns. All right, well, we know that's not going to happen, but here, here's, here's my those, bet to you. Are those the season statistics? Or? Yeah, yeah, the full season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's my bet to you. Uh, and I don't even know what the spread is. don't know what it's going to be. don't care what it's going to be. I'm going to take Minnesota. You're taking Michigan, obviously. I'll buy you and your lady dinner. You go out to eat. You pick a place. Go out to eat. Done, you know, try to keep it easy on me. Uh, I'll Venmo you the money after after you pay. All right, then and vice versa. What do you think about that? I'm good with that. All right, all right. We gotta we gotta we gotta podcast bet. We gotta make sure we hit Twitter and make sure everybody knows about it. Goddamn, I'm about to meet some of the freshest fish known to man. <laughs> all right, so now we're gonna get to our breakdown bets of the week. Uh, another rough week for for your boy KB over here. My other two guys are doing good. So guys, y'all. Y'all lay off of me until until I get back up to over 500. So, right now we're going to start out with UNC minus 13 versus Florida State. I said it before. I think North Carolina is going to, just going to absolutely dominate them. Auburn minus three versus South Carolina. I think this is where they got to make a statement. They're, either their defense has got to step up and totally dominate, or the offense has got to get going and put up 40 plus kind of kind of situation. So, if they don't do it this week, uh, Auburn will be in a void for me the rest of the season. Uh, and then to end it up, I got BYU minus five on Friday night versus Houston. I'm going to keep going to, back to the well. They let me down last week, but I'm going to. They, they hadn't let me down too much. They've been pretty nice to me so far this year. So I'm going to go back to the well and go BYU minus five. Jesse, what do you got? Uh, my first one. I'm going Navy minus one and a half because they're playing East Carolina, and East Carolina is not good. I know Navy's not isn't good either, but. They're better than East Carolina, so <laughs> that was that's basically, and yeah, I mean, support the Kenan Reynolds jersey hanging on my wall right behind me. Um, next, Clemson minus twenty six and a half. They're playing Georgia Tech. Shotgun triple option isn't going to beat Trevor Lawrence, and that defense isn't going to hold them to a twenty six point lead. So that, again, free money. Last, we got Ole Miss minus one and a half because I think they keep the train rolling. The lane train has no brakes. It's going to go into Arkansas and sweep up every mid-30s-year-old woman that is in that state. 
and they're just gonna keep on winning. They're gonna gotta, compete for gotta the. Love, gotta love old Lane Kiffin, man. They're going oh, yeah. to compete for the SEC title game soon. That's hot takes. And that is a super hot take. That, that, that take is on. That is on fire over here, man. Holy shit! Will they be in the conference title game? No, what, but they will is, uh... be in contention for that late in the year. What is your? So it'll be kind of like Michigan. It'll be kind of close, but it's not. <laughs> it'll be not really, close, but not good enough to actually be there. If one game went the opposite way, then so it's other things are situations to where if you beat Ohio State and Ohio State lost four other games during the season, maybe you could make it there. Is that what is that way it would be? Depending on who's the lead uh, vote chairman. Okay. All right, J- JD, what you got for your bets of the week, man? Uh, yeah, so my bets, I have Cincinnati minus three um, going up against Tulsa. Um, Tulsa's had a strong start to the year, but it kind of reminds me of like a, uh, you know, in March Madness when you have your underdog pulling some upsets and it doesn't really make sense. Um, I mean, they beat UCF and they kept Oklahoma State close, and that's super, super impressive. I'm really high on both those teams, but it just doesn't really add up. I mean, they're just not a very good team when you look at their roster, and Cincinnati – uh, you know, recruits better than pretty much any other power uh, group of five program. Um, so I just think they're way, way, way more talented and way better coached. And uh, minus three, I think, is a gift here. So give me Cincinnati minus three. Um, I took BYU-Houston over 63. Um, right now, statistically, BYU is number one and Houston is number two in offense. And I know they haven't really played anybody. Houston's only played one game and BYU's played some scrubs. But I just don't see how that's at 63 when both teams could score in, you know, three plays or less on any given drive. Um, and then I have USF, Southern Florida. I took their team total under 20 and a half. I have been feeding Southern Florida. I think they have one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my entire life. They try to rotate like six different quarterbacks, and they're all god-awful. Um, I faded them last week who Jesse just mentioned, Eastern Carolina. Not a good football team. I had Eastern Carolina plus four against USF last week, and Eastern Carolina beat the brakes off of them. USF could barely score 20 points against ECU, and ECU has one of the worst defenses in all of college football. And now uh, USF has to go up against the Temple defense. That's usually pretty good. So give me their team total under 20 and a half. All right, so now we're going to roll up into our uh, Hungry Dog segment. Again, shout out to our boy Rex Eastwood. Go find his article on breakdownsports.com. Uh, my Hungry Dog this week will be Mississippi State. I think we'll get, be able to get a little bounce back game this week. They're a plus seven right now at a, at a plus 210 on the money line, so give me Mississippi State plus 210. All right, mine is, let me pull back up. We're going with Boston College. And plus I, twelve. I, I, do, I do really like this pick, by the way. That would have been one of my top two or three that I would have, that I that I put my money on for sure. It's plus three thirty two money line. They're playing Virginia Tech, although they've been Virginia Tech's been very good this year, even with their best players setting out for the season. I just think I don't know. Boston College has that weird feel about them where when they need a play to happen, it happens, and it, it might just happen one more game, hopefully. I got screwed by Arkansas, so hopefully I get good luck this week. All right, J.D., what you got, man? Yeah, I have uh, Pitt. They're currently plus 13.5, or you can get them at plus 375 on the money line. I'm somehow 2-0 and on these hungry dogs. Um, you are. I, That's impressive. I don't know. 
I am not super confident in Pitt to get the job done. Um, I, I actually grabbed them at plus ten and a half, and then uh, sounds like their quarterback Kenny Pickett's a little banged up. Last I heard, I think he's still expected to play. He's just not going to be fully healthy. But um, with a Pitt defense that's going to struggle Miami, and we saw how Miami's offense shuts down when they don't get easy seventy-yard plays. Um, I like Pitt to keep this game close. I definitely like them to cover, and uh, if it's going to be close, might as well pick them to uh, pull off the upset here. Yeah, if it's going to be close. You get my, you got a shot. All right, so to give you uh, the idea of where we're at for the season on our on our breakdown bets of the week, uh, four nine and two for me. It's been absolutely brutal. Jesse's at nine and three. JD's at five and three. So well done, gentlemen. Well done. I'm just going to start telling you fuckers until I get back up there and get back into <laughs> above five hundred. <laughs> All right, so 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 Jesse, you got anything else for the for the show tonight? Are you going to hang out with us for a little while longer while we talk a little CFF? I'll hang on. Why not? It'll be right. fun. All right, so our CFF segment, the CFF rundown with the breakdown, is brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com. It was created to fill a major void in the college football landscape. Expand the box scores sit, sifts through through every game to gather, to gather and sort every statistic you could possibly want, from targets down and distance metrics to team play calling tendencies, fully customizable and sortable leaderboard, leaderboards to detailed individual player profiles and so much more. For $15 a year, you can get full access with our code, The Breakdown. That's T-H-E-B-R-K-D-W-N. You receive 10% off, so sign up today. And, J.D., without any further ado, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll on to you, my man. Yeah, um, this is going to be a shorter CFF segment than usual. Uh, the main reason is there's been a lot of uh, sites down scoring-wise. FanDuel and DraftKings have a lot of problems with no live scoring updates, and Fantrax uh, still hasn't had. Uh, they're scoring updated yet. I know they said they're working on it. but So we're not working with a lot of numbers this week. So usually we'd have waiver wire ads for you guys to go look up. But we can't really look at percentages and stats because they uh, currently don't exist, which makes it a little more difficult on our end. So Very, di- um, very difficult to do some deep dive into some of the smaller schools and stuff whenever you can't, you can't, you can't sort of spreadsheet. It is difficult, and it definitely puts folks in behind the eight ball. So do your best, at, do the best that you can with it until the until the websites get the problem resolved. Yeah, doing fantasy sports without stats. We're on a new level here. I don't know how you do that, but um, some takeaways I kind of wanted to go over, Kevin. I wanted to discuss with you. Um, we kind of already talked about the SEC defenses, so I'll skip over that. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about like rapid adjustments on the fly because you have these preconceptions going into the season. And then things like, you know, the SEC, a lot of these defenses you expect to be serious, like Florida, um, actually, you know, is close to being the leader in the entire country in missed tackles. So um, is there anything that sticks out to you, Kevin, that's like a rapid adjustment or something that you didn't expect going into this year as far as maybe conference-wise or team-wise? Like what's a big adjustment so, so you're tip- making? Yes. Yeah, so, so typically, if, if, if I were playing season long, I would be targeting a lot of SEC players right now. I would, be, I would be trying to trade some of those group of five players that are going to get in, into games to where they're not going to, you know, it's going to be kind of a, a bad game. Maybe it's not a – maybe they're from – from a defensive standpoint, they're, they got a pretty solid group of five defense. One thing that I, I would definitely be doing is I'd be looking at teams, you know, like, you know, Missouri, uh, teams like South Carolina's, the Tennessee's, that, that normally you would shy away from because they got to play Bama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, right? You're typically just hands up in the air. No, I'm not. I don't want any part of these guys because I can't play them five weeks out of the season. 
I mean, that's that's really not the case anymore. You know, it's uh, I would at now that the the, the SEC defenses have shown that they're not going to be at that super high elite level where they're where they're shutting people down to ten points per game kind of thing. I would try to to kind of leverage that and you know try to you know sweet talk you a trade partner into thinking man these guys are playing the sec i I need some depth or blah 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 however you want to say it and then that that may open the door for you to be able to trade for a guy like a a mac jones or you know maybe a a, you know bama's second or third wide receiver or lsu's second or third wide receiver and you could get them at a deal because some some folks they're not you know, the, the less savvy fantasy football players, they still think the SEC is the elite of the elite. Maybe they don't want to have to go up against these defenses every weekend whenever you need to be trying to target that kind of stuff. That's the first thing that stands out to me, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I think that's what a lot of fantasy success is, is jumping on things that you notice that you think others are going to be slow to notice. Like, if others still think SEC is going to be plotting it out, by now it's probably – everybody's probably noticed that because how can you not but if if you realize that in the first couple of weeks like hold up a second mike leach just came and then played the defending national champion and put up an sec record of passing yards like if you can't adjust week to week there's only a certain amount of weeks in college football and this year there's even less so if you're not making those adjustments week to week you're going to be behind you're going to miss out you're going to miss that on the waiver wire uh and you're going to be left in the dust um one thing i did notice uh going forward is uh, the Big 12, um, is that scoring is down a little bit in the Big 12, specifically in fantasy. Um, Bill Connolly over at ESPN, he does the S&P Plus. I know it's not the be-all, end-all, but his numbers are a pretty good place to look as far as who's performing well on the offense, offensive side of the ball. They're a great starting point. They're a great starting point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you, I mean, for, for people for people that want to want to shit on, on the numbers and that kind of stuff, that's at least a starting point. That'll get you at least going in the right direction. Then you can find your own numbers after that. But this guy puts in a ton of work on the on that on that that sheet and that the S and P plus formula. It's worth every every bit of the time that he puts in there. It, it'll get you heading in the right direction and seeing where offensive efficiencies are at and where people are inefficient at. So don't be a uh, I don't know an analytics snob, so to speak, and and just dismiss that like it's not important because it, it it's very important. So yeah, I got a question for you guys. What's Sorry up? to cut you off, JD. No, no, no. But that's since you're hold, since you brought up season long, it made and the waiver wire and everything with SEC not and Big Twelve not being as good of an option as it used to be. Have you, especially in season long, been eyeing Big Ten people already to try to sneak a? waiver claim up before a game's next week or so you're just gonna wait yeah, until so, week so, one so happens I, I'll, I'll start on that one and and if you're not already doing that then you are way behind because the good players in your league have already used three or four of their bench spots to fill up with some of the the better big 10 players that are out there i mean there's a lot of players that weren't drafted at all i'd you assume know, none of them would have gotten drafted because of yeah, how yeah. unsure they were well, no, so yeah. when me and J.D. did our best ball draft, you know, we had, you know, the, the likes of Justin Fields, who was a, a first or a second overall pick in most leagues, you know, he went toward the end of the first round, top of the second round kind of deal, just because you're going to have to wait on him for so long. So if, if your league played season long, then you probably didn't add the big ten players to your player pool, okay? Uh, now, if you waited a couple weeks in before you started drafting, you didn't start playing until week four, 
then you knew the Big Ten was going to be playing. So most of those players are probably already drafted. But a lot of those, that mid-range kind of talent on, on some of those teams that normally would be drafted as a flyer probably were, was not drafted because you don't want to wait four or five weeks for a guy that's not going to be able to play and then he may not even be an elite player after that, right? <clears throat> so if you're not already doing that kind of stuff on the waiver wire, adding people to that, then you're already behind the eight ball and you're probably too late at this point. Well, you bring up a good point, Jesse, because we were talking about adjusting on the fly and how I said you have to do that week to week. Now, generally, I don't really have a lot of Big Ten ownership. Um, I usually stick to, you know, Big 12, Pac-12, and then Group of Five because I just feel like people don't know as much about those conferences, and I, I feel like I know a fair amount. And so they go under-owned or, the, you know, they're underappreciated. This year, the Big, Big Ten, um, you know, if you see an offensive explosion, if you see a few teams who are going crazy, or if you see, see a few offenses who are really struggling out of the gate, I just think it emphasizes how important that is. Like, if Minnesota comes up and they light up Michigan's defense, not saying it's going to happen. If Joe Milton comes out and runs for three touchdowns, I'm saying, I'm saying I mean, you're going to have to roster those guys every week. <laughs> <laughs> if both happen. Or neither one happens. We'll probably get a three to six game or something. Yeah, it'll probably suck ass. Probably hey, that's Big Ten football, of, baby. Yeah, off a of, of three-point <laughs> six, six total scoring win, bunch of horse shit. But three no, yards in a cloud of dust. That's it. That's it. That's what it's all about. But I'll no, tell you this. You're right. <clears throat> Go ahead, Jay. What I, one of my things, when I keep it real simple, when I'm looking at fantasy or when I'm looking at DFS and I'm filling up my lineup and there's so many different players to choose from, there's so many games in college football, it's way different than the NFL. At the end of the day, you could do a lot worse. My general drafting strategy, if I'm caught in between, I'll put a Big 12 wide receiver in there or Pac-12, you know, same goes, group of five. I'll put their wide receivers in there. I'll put their quarterbacks in there. My running backs, I'll put in a Big Ten running back because I know a lot of these guys get fed the rock. I know Stevie Scott is always going to be underpriced on DraftKings. I know he's always going to be underdrafted. But at the end of the day, he plays in the Big Ten and he gets 20 carries per game and he can run for 1,000 yards. So as long as you have a strategy and you know how to attack it, I'm not saying go out there and take every single Big Ten running back, but there's a lot worse strategies to uh, to play out there other than going old school. Well, I'll say. For sure, 100%. Um. All right, let's get into the uh, my uh, DFS plays of the week over on DraftKings. Um, had some, some success there. It took a lot a while for FanDuel to finally populate, but had a few little mini uh, mini takedowns on FanDuel. Uh, won a couple hundred, a couple hundred bucks. So hopefully you guys are listening to this segment and it's helping you out there. No guarantees here, but we're we're a little hot. So um, I went for some cheap ride, guys. Ride the wave, baby. Ride the wave. Oh, you got to ride it while it's hot, and we're we're hot. So. Uh, I'm going to go with some cheaper options. I'm not saying these guys are going to score the highest asset position, but I do think they are the best um, price per target here. So first off, we have the quarterback. He's one of the cheapest quarterbacks on the slate. That's Sam Hartman for Wake Forest. Now, he's priced all the way down at 5800 on DraftKings. He's priced down there because he's had a slow start to the season. Why has he had a slow start to the season? Because they're running the ball down everybody's throat. They played some really weak defenses, and they haven't need him to throw the ball. So why would you target here? Well, He's playing, it's an even matchup. I think they're plus two and a half. So it's supposed to be a back and forth affair against Virginia. Uh, both these teams like to play with pace. They're going to have a ton of snaps. Uh, and he's got some wide receivers to throw the ball to. Um, and he can run the ball a little bit as well. So he, he, he may not be Jamie Newman from a year ago, but he's also not going to be like the nine, 10 points he's been getting the last couple of weeks. So I think Sam Hartman's price is priced way down because they just blew out Campbell 
and scored like 66 points without ever having to throw the ball. I think they're going to have to throw the ball to win here against Virginia. And look, here's another thing to keep in mind about Wake Forest, folks, is their rate of play, their pace of play is one of the fastest in the country. It's insane. They run, they run more plays than almost every other team in the country. So even if Sam Hartman's not a Jamie Newman, even if he's not going to run the ball 20 times for 100 yards and two scores like Jamie Newman did, the the the, the opportunity is there. And especially in oh, yeah. a close matchup like that, whenever they're probably going to run upwards of 70-plus plays, that's – that's a formula for, for the the opportunity to score a lot of points. And if you're getting him really cheap, plus he has a ton of opportunity, that's what you're looking for. That's that's for sure what you're looking for because that allows you to save some money and then to be able to spend up in other places. Exactly. Always looking to pay down. Um, as far as some running backs that I like to pay down for here, Kevin, um, I've mentioned this guy before. I have Rodriguez-Clark at 5,600 on DraftKings. He's the running back for Memphis. Um, they're playing UCF. I've mentioned this earlier. It's supposed to be a very back-and-forth game. It's uh, it's the totals up over 70. And this guy's the lead back. I've mentioned what the lead backs do for Memphis. Kenneth Gainwell's no longer playing. Rodriguez-Clark is the guy. While he may not be Kenneth Gainwell, he doesn't need to be to, uh, you know, have a some really high upside and a really high floor at 5,600. So how do you feel about Rodriguez-Clark, Kevin? Man, I'm, 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 I'm actually pulling up DraftKings right now to see where the other running backs are at because that seems really, really cheap for a Memphis running back who's been pretty damn good uh, this season, you know? It's a uh, mispricing. It is. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's surprising, you know? I mean, you know, week one he has, has 20 carries for 105 yards. He uh, – has, he has a touchdown in there, doesn't have any receptions, and he comes back uh, week five with, with 16 for just shy of 100 yards, and he has four catches for 10 yards, just didn't get in the end zone, right? So, I mean, it's a Memphis running back. It's the starting Memphis running back. It's the same guy that Patrick Taylor was going to be, that Kenneth Gainwell is going to be, that that all these running backs, Daryl Henderson in, in the NFL, Tony Pollard in the NFL, like they're, they're, they're churning out NFL-caliber type running backs left and right down here. And at 5,600, whenever, whenever you, whenever you're, you got guys like Etienne, you know that. Let me let me pull this back up. Etienne's at 8,600. Lady Brown's at 8,200. I know he's playing in Kansas, and Lady Brown's been good, uh, but but damn, you know, like that. That yeah. seems like a really good price for him. So so good good pick on him there for sure. Because you could make an argument that Clark should be priced at the same price as Lady Brown. I think Etienne is clearly I, I above those guys, but I think I would rather probably have Clark than Brown, with prices not even in there. Like, if it's a season long, I might play Clark over Brown. I'm with you. Now, only only thing about only thing about Brown is he's had some crazy volume. Uh, the past two games, he's had more than 26 or more touches. But here's what he's doing with 26 or more touches. 104 yards, zero touchdowns, 93 yards, two touchdowns. Now, the 93 yards and two touchdowns, that's great. But if you got a running back that gives you 27 carries and 93 yards and doesn't get an end zone – you're pissed off about it. You're not. You're not happy about it. You're not. You're not enthused about it at all. But what Clark does is he's going to be in a high-scoring game, close spread, back and forth, going, going all game long. I'm, I'm with you 100. I'm. I'm really surprised he's that cheap right there. I wish yeah, I lived I, in a state where I could play because he'd be in every one of my lineups. Oh man, absolutely. So what you could do, you could take Sam Hartman at 5800. You could pair him with his wide receiver, who's my wide receiver play of the week, Donovan Green, his top target, who's been hurt who, again, didn't really catch any passes last week because they didn't have to throw the ball, but he did get a kickoff return touchdown. So in the few, he had three touches, and one of them went to the house. Um, you could pair him, Donovan Green, Sam Hartman. You could get Rodriguez-Clark in there. 
Uh, and then you could pay up. You could get Travis Etienne. You could get the most expensive wide receiver on the slate, Elijah Moore, who gets about 16 targets per game. You could pair him with his quarterback, Matt Corral, who's man, putting up Heisman no, and staff. Speaking, speaking and you still got room for more. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to get off on a tangent here, but Elijah Moore is fucking killing it, man. He's been fantastic oh, yeah. this season. It's uh, I mean, he, he's he's double digit catches every single week almost. He's been he's been he's been amazing. And the thing is, they played some good defenses, or at least who we thought were going to be good defenses going into the year. So it's not a fluke. And Lane Kiffin likes to beat his wide receiver one. So I would jump on that, absolutely. For sure. And with the with the, the guys that you got lined out here, that gives you the freedom to be able to jump on that to get that high floor, high ceiling player. You know, you may have with Sam Hartman, you may have a low floor, but you also have a pretty high ceiling. You know, you're going to have a lot of variance in, in his game. He's going, to ha- he's going to have games where he's just going to shit on you. He's just not going to play good. But then he's going to have games where he's going to explode. And that's why he's going to stay down there around that 5,800 range whenever you, you don't have – whenever you can pay up for guys. You know, let me, let me pull up the quarterbacks real quick. But you can pay up for guys that – like Trevor Lawrence or Matt Corral. Dylan oh, there's Gabriel, a ton of good ones. Guys that have been pretty consistent. They've been very consistent, but they're expensive. You know, if, if yeah. Sam Hartman has his blow-up game, he's going to score just as much, if not more, than those guys. But that's why he's 58, because he may, he may take a dump on you, you know. So, at the end of the day, you can save that money and hope for the, the you know, shoot for the, shoot for the stars, but be happy with the moon. You know, if you land on the moon kind of thing. You know, if, if Sam Hartman comes out and gives you, uh, you know, 25 points, that's you're killing it. That's way overvalued right there, you know. And then then you're able to spend up on guys like Elijah Moore and and guys that like Travis Etienne, you know, guys that are going to give you that super high floor that that keeps you safe, right? So yeah, I'm I'm all about that, man. I'm thinking about going to do some stuff while I'm out here in Vegas to to jump in there. Well, Kevin, and here's the thought on that: when a guy's priced so low, it it sometimes scares people off if they look and they see. Why is this guy priced so low? Oh, because he's had two shitty games in a row. Then a lot of people aren't going to play him. Um, they're going to, you know, they won't even notice it's a mispricing. You, you'll be tickled to hear this one, Kevin. I played the ninth slate in DraftKings. Uh, mm-hmm. C.J. Johnson, quarterback on Eastern Carolina. Yeah. You know, one, one of the top wide receivers going into the year fantasy-wise. His price last yeah, week had... was 3900 3900 wow. About as low as you it's can possibly he, go. It's because he, he had had two bad games. Exactly. And what plays, does he do? He plays in a he plays in an offense with so much passing volume that he is he is bound to to boom eventually. And he boomed. Exactly. What he had three catches, ninety nine yards, and two touchdowns this week. Exactly. And if you if you're you're not just taking a shot because you say, oh, this guy's cheap, maybe he'll go off. You're taking a shot because this is C.J. Johnson. This is the guy who is the top fifteen wide receiver going into the year. This is Sam Hartman. This is a top fifteen quarterback going into the yeah. year playing with a high tempo pace so it's not just taking a shot it's taking a shot on a guy who you know can actually have a a very 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 good game and look and if if you're going to spend if you're going to save money if you're going to spend down on folks spend down on folks that are in good systems cj johnson is a perfect example he's in a high volume passing offense with a quarterback that will hyper target a wide receiver now he didn't get a ton of targets this game but he did he had the important ones right uh you know Holt Naylor will, will give somebody 20 targets in a game. He don't give a shit. He'll throw the ball to him every single play. And those are the kind of guys that if you're going to spin down like a Sam Hartman, spin down for a guy that's in a system that runs 75-plus plays every game. Give yourself that opportunity. So, yeah, you're spot on, man. Yeah, All right, I'm you with got you. Any, got, any, got anything else with, with DraftKings or any, uh, any DFS plays? 
Nope, that's it. I just want to say uh, hit me up on, on Twitter at YonkersCSB. You guys can drop your plugs too, but uh, I, I always do a thread where I talk over uh, DFS stuff. So if you ever have any questions, I, I'm always on there answering uh, answering questions and whatnot. Yep, so everybody check us out at TheBreakdownSports.com. I'm at Kay Hilcom. Jesse's at Uncle Jesse with three underscores. JD's at YonkersCFB. So you guys check us out on Twitter. If you got any questions, feel free to reach out. We'll see you next week. Good one. Rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee byway. One arm on the wheel. Holding my lover with the other. A sweet, soft, southern thrill. Worked hard all week. Got a little jingle on a Tennessee Saturday night. Couldn't feel better, I'm together with my Dixieland delight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler needs a mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little